I can actually see this in my mind right now. I had a, a red Renault car driving down the M6 from Manchester to London, and I didn't want to go. So for the first time of being a full-on workaholic, and my hobby was my job, I realised I didn't want to be on that motorway driving down to a meeting that was about an organisation that, to me, the culture just wasn't right. I just wasn't having an impact in that business. And so, in the car, didn't want to be there. In a management meeting, thinking, is this really what we set out on a journey to do? And then, on the way home, I phoned my now wife and said, it's time to get out of here. My name's Dr. Gary Crotez, and I'm a coach, podcaster, and award-winning author of The Idea Mindset, a book about how to figure out what you want and how to get it. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. When I'm in conversation with my coaching clients, these are the breakthroughs that are so profound that they remember vividly where they were, who they were with, what they were thinking when their unlock moment happened. In this podcast, I'll be meeting and learning about people who have accomplished great things or brought about significant change in their life. And you'll be meeting them with me. We'll be finding out what inspired them, how they got through the hard times and what they learned along the way that they can share with you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast to hear all about another Unlock Moment. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unlock Moment podcast. I recently met an investor and entrepreneur whose purpose is around connecting people. I'd love you to hear more about his story and about the Climb 23 event he's organizing to bring entrepreneurs and investors together. Gordon Bateman is the founder of CRSI Limited, a company based in Leeds here in the UK that specializes in building high-performing teams for early stage and high-growth investor-backed businesses. He has a proven track record of working with some of the most active investors to accelerate the growth of their portfolio businesses and to succeed in today's competitive marketplace. Additionally, he is the founder of Investor Ladder, a platform that connects investors from across the UK to regional ecosystems and brings together industry, investment and innovation to discuss the biggest challenges and opportunities across science and technology. His passion for building high-performing teams and connecting investors with the right opportunities has made him a trusted advisor in the industry. Later this month, Gordon is hosting a major event, the Climb 23 Innovation Festival for investors, startups, scale-ups and industry. And I'm excited to say that together we're going to be bringing the unlock moment to the Climb 23 stage as we delve into the power of purpose-driven leadership. But right now, I want to know more about Gordon's journey and what sparked his sense of purpose that drives the work he does today. Gordon Bateman, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Unlock Moment. Thank you very much. And it's exciting to be here. I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing this live on a stage. So where do we need to start, Gordon, in your journey to understand your Unlock Moment and where you are today? Uh, yes. So thank you for that. The Unlock Moment comes quite a bit into my journey. My journey in my career after university started in an unusual way. Back in the 1990s, a lot of people would finish university and go into large corporates. I was sponsored at university and expecting to go and do exactly that. But unfortunately, due to change of circumstances, ended up outside of the 
uh, normal system and started working with a small company. In the 90s, as most people know, companies grew very quickly. Our, our organization grew from seven people to over 400. We went through a management buyout and ended up floating the company on the main market. Um, and we were recruiting like mad, hiring lots and lots of people. Um, to be honest, I was in my 20s when I was growing my team. And I be very open. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just hired when there was a tactical problem. I would hire somebody, bring them into the business, often pay um, exorbitant salaries. There was a war for talent at that time. Um, and as we grew, I suddenly realized that the culture wasn't what we'd set out to do. We weren't um, a team anymore. We weren't gelling. It was, most of my time was firefighting. Um, we'd gone from a very um, tight-knit team to a very disparate organization. We had people um, in different countries um, and we didn't really have a shared vision. So ultimately, I decided that this wasn't the place I wanted to be anymore. And that was 10 years into a company that previous to that, if you'd cut me in half, um, I would I had the company name all the way through me. So, um, And then I started talking to my clients. So my customer base were in exactly the same position as me. My clients were emerging technology businesses in the um, e-commerce world or the dot-com world, as it was at the time. And every single founder, and I wasn't a founder, but every single founder that I was dealing with was saying they're having exactly the same problem. There was nobody to really help us understand how to build an organization. We were taught how to sell. We were taught how to manage finance. We were taught how to um, look after the cash flow within the team and the PL that we were running, but actually there was this natural assumption that we're people, we talk to people, so we should be able to manage people. And that genuinely wasn't the case. And the only support we really had was HR. And HR is hugely valuable, but it was all around making sure we were protected as a business as opposed to building a culture. We all talk about culture now, but back then that wasn't really a thing. It was just hire and, and grow and do what you need to do. So I suddenly realized that actually there's a gap in the market and actually we could make a difference. So um, working for major corporates, no matter what you do, you um, there's very little impact you can have on that business. So we decided that we, uh, or I decided that I would um, set up an organization to work exclusively with early stage, high growth businesses around the people within their organization. That was the first unlock moment. So you went from this very successful business you've been in for 10 years and you started to, to, to think there's something that we're missing here and you went, I've got to start my own thing. Do you remember the moment when you knew, and this is, this is really the essence of the unlock moment, that lots of people think about this is what I did and when I did it. Do you, do you remember where you were when you went, I need to do something different here. I need to create some little thing to start to scale. Do you remember where you were when you thought that? I do. And um, I'm a very visual person. So um, I can actually see this in my mind right now. I had a, a red Renault car driving down the M6 from Manchester to London, and I didn't want to go. So for the first time of um, being a full-on workaholic, and my hobby was my job, I realized I didn't want to be on that motorway driving down to a meeting that was about an organization that, to me, the culture just wasn't right. I just wasn't having an impact in that business. I then arrived in a board, it wasn't a board meeting, I arrived in a senior management meeting, 
And we had to go around the table and discuss um, our figures, how we were performing. And we were all X hundred percent of target. And um, I, I will admit I was in my 20s. I had a probably a less humility by a long chalk than I do now um, because we were in a bubble that we thought we were all invincible. And whenever an opportunity came around in the business, I would always put my hand and say, I'll, I'll take that on if it would be opening a new office or looking at a new division. And I genuinely thought the reason why I was picked to do that was because I was good at it. What I realized in that second moment was, no, I'm the only one who's putting their hand up. <laughs> so everyone else was just backing off. So my ego at the time is thinking, I'm a genius. Everyone loves me because I'm getting all the best gigs in organization. And what I actually realized is that everyone was just letting me get on with it because I was like a terrier. And so in the car, didn't want to be there. In a management meeting, thinking, is this really what we set out on a journey to do? And then on the way home, I phoned my now wife and said, it's time to get out of here. I love that. And you know, I've interviewed so many great leaders and coaches on the Unlock Moment, and you always know it's a good one when they're like, I was walking down the pavement, it was raining, it was 6.30 at night, and you're like, I was in my red Renault car driving down the M6 to this meeting. And it, and it is a moment when you have this such a vivid recollection many, many years on. How many years ago was this in your in your Red Renault? 22. 22 years. And that is the essence. That is the essence for an unlocked moment. And, and I have many conversations with people where they talk about their career journey, but they gloss over that moment. And I, and I think there's something in this. This is my continued exploration of, of, of my sort of obsessive topic is um, there's something in that moment that really tunes into who you are, what's important to you and, 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 and why you make a decision that fundamentally changed the shape of the rest of your career or the rest of your career today. That's, that's for me, is such a fascinating uh, moment. And I interviewed a, a top world-leading coach called John Baldoni on, on the podcast quite recently. And he talked, about, uh, he, he talked about grace in leadership. His recent book is called Grace Under Pressure. And the words he used about great leaders were words that you often don't hear about leaders, which were honesty, humility, vulnerability. And I hear a little bit in you. I mean, you know, you're, you're a hugely successful entrepreneur, business leader, um, and you're, you know, you're running this huge festival coming up, um, and you're ahead of this show, and, and you're able to sit there and go, you know, I, I was a bit overconfident then. And you're able to, to say that, like, that is a great thing. You know, you learn over time uh, and you find, and, and it helps people. You know, we're going to talk when, when we come to Climb 23 about how do you hold on to the essence of the values and the purpose that caused you to found your business and be a leader over time that can hold that essence as you lead your team and you lead over time a large organization. So I think it's such a brilliant uh, articulation of that. So talk to me about the journey um, of, of the business that you, you formed coming, coming through that moment. Wow, we haven't got enough time for that because there's a roller coaster that goes along the way of talking that story. But um, about three months after setting up that organization, the entire technology market, and the dot-com market burst overnight. No one knew that that was coming. I think some people had talked about it, but when it hit, it hit. So. You had to take a, I call them sitting at the bottom of my stairs moment and thinking, why am I here? And this actually goes back to the point of what keeps you on that journey all the way through, I think. So 
Um, there wasn't a build-up to that, what you, you describe as the unlock moment. It just happened. It wasn't that the week before I was 90% in and I was 80% in the week before. It was just a switch off, that's it, uh, this is a thing to do. And so sitting at that bottom of the stairs, you have to go, right, the whole world's collapsed. Why, why am I here? What am I trying to achieve? What's embedded in this thing, this being wrongly wired to give up a highly paid job to now have... Um, zero income and a very scary moment. And that time, I think people don't get that enough nowadays. You don't have that dark room, bottom of the stairs time. And sometimes that evolves as you go. So we um, repurposed what we went out to do. We started working with major organizations and I actually built up what I think genuinely became the purpose, which was you can not only make a difference to an organization, you can make a difference to the actual people themselves. So we started working with major corporates, looking at their culture and their strategy and looking at what the right organization was for their business. Um, and again, I then started to realize, so the second unlock moment was I'm doing some really cool things here, but I'm not having the impact that I really want to achieve. So sold out of that organization, decided, um, it was a new journey to be started. Um, and if I ever tell you I'm going to set up a business, run, because I then set up what is now CRSI with the view that we would now go back to our core and work exclusively with venture capital. And then the market collapsed. <laughs> was, there was a banking crisis. So it was kind of like, right, what am I here for? What are we here to do? And we built our mission statement, as we call it now, because that's the thing to call it. But my wife said to me, why are you doing this? What, what is it? And I said, you know what, we've done really well. And we have, um, you know, we've got a really nice life. We've had some, traveled a lot, but I don't feel like I've achieved anything. I don't feel like I've actually achieved what I set out to achieve. And so she quite rightly said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, what I want to do is make a difference. And I want to have an amazing place to work with amazing people where we can help them accelerate their career faster than anyone else. And so then she said, how are you going to do that? My answer, sorry, was I don't know. So that was another six months of planning and thinking, what do we actually do? So we needed this to be sustainable. It needed to earn money, it needed to be profitable. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to do what we set out to do. Um, and so we built CRSI, which was then very much at the view of people is at the heart of our business. It's actually built into it. It's, it's not just what we do um, for our clients. It's not what we do for the industry. It's actually very much embedded into our organization. And we've achieved that. I've got ex-colleagues who've joined us as interns and as graduates who are now on very significant career tracks in, in different industries. And that's what keeps you going when it's really rough. We've had um, some tough times along the way. And what gets you up at that, you know, five o'clock on a Monday morning in the cold and wet is remembering why you did this in the first place. And it's not written down anywhere. It's not on some fancy website. It's just built into every single person that we hire that that's their job is to develop other people. And when you have that at the core of everything you do, it's easy, even when it's really hard. What's interesting for me listening to this is I speak to an awful lot of business leaders who say that, 
but only a small proportion of them really believe it and really mean it. And it's really nice to to hear from somebody where it's so clear comes through from the essence of who you are. That's not always as common as you might as you might think. So that's really nice to to hear. Talk to me about your passion for connecting people. I've always had this belief that you can't do these things on your own. So I was given a chance early on in my career as uh, I was expecting to go into a big company, met a small company, and the director just took me under his wing and mentored me. And one of the things I learned is that um, by having great people around, you can achieve great things. And again, these things are now a bit cliched, I guess, really. You know, if you collaborate, you can grow faster. But that's genuinely the truth, isn't it? If you look at, if you take it to sport, you take it to any aspect of life, if you bring around you great people, then great people make things happen. So it's not just about connecting people. It's about connecting different people as well. So, yeah, and I, at a risk of using cliche things and um, going on for too long, the um, it's this diversity piece as well. So, and, and, and I don't mean, oh, just hire a token female or a token um, person from a different ethnic origin. What I mean is actually cognitive diversity. So if you surround yourself with people who think differently, if I ran my organization and delivered the service the way I delivered it five years ago, well, it just wouldn't be dead as a business. But by having lots of different people with different skills, different ways of working, then we achieve great things. And I think that then translates out into our client base and into things that we do as an organization. So um, my boss used to say to me, if your client has a problem and the problem that you solve is fifth on the list, you have two choices. You can scare the life out of them about the problem you can solve and make it very important, or you can help them solve the first four and then yours is genuinely at the top of the list. And actually that's to do that, that means by connecting the right people in. So if somebody's got a problem with finance, connecting them to finance person, if they've got a problem with office location, connecting them in, and that's where this view of a trusted advisor comes from. And it genuinely means that when the problem that I can solve is the highest on the priority, um, that client is committed to solving that problem. They're not distracted by things that are out in a different place. And you can only achieve that by bringing the right people together to make that happen. And I've now seen many things that talk about this. If you want to grow your business 10 times with collaboration, it's just as easy as doubling the size of your company. And I'm going through that journey right now. We're in a rapid scale mode. Um, Climb 23 is a very good example of that. Our typical event was between 100 and 150 people. We've now got an event coming up, which is going to be somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people. That isn't me. That isn't just my team. That's this amazing collaboration of other organizations coming into that to make that magic happen. So it's scary. Um, it's fun. It's difficult. Um, but it's ultra rewarding because you can see how we're actually changing the way that industry, I guess, it would do things. So Climb 23 coming up in Leeds Dock um, on the 23rd and 24th of May. What are people going to experience there? It's going to be something very different. The um, majority of investor events that we've attended have been hugely valuable and very content rich, um, but often um, lack that connecting of people. 
or they've been very networking-y heavy and lacked the content piece. So what we've done is smashed those two things together. So yes, it's a very large, um, or in terms of what we do, a very large event, but actually it's a number of different things happening under one umbrella. So the, the event is divided into two phases or two um, parts. Um, the first, which is where, uh, Gary, you will be um, doing your session. Um, we have main stage sessions, which is sharing knowledge, experience, content with a broader audience. Um, and that will be in the format of um, interviews, um, chat show style um, panels. We're not having keynote speakers. There will not be um, the same question asked to five people in a line of a traditional panel. The idea is it's very engaging and it's very open and honest. So we want to get under the skin of the reality, a bit like the questions you've been asking me, you know, get the personalities and get the challenges out there, have something meaningful. Alongside of that, um, we then have um, a series of um round tables and workshops bringing together groups of 20 people at a time to talk about a specific subject so that might be bringing an ex um successful entrepreneur into a room and um working with and sharing experience with with 20 founders or 20 execs of high growth businesses or it might be bringing 20 venture capital companies and their industry associations into a room to talk about how do they improve diversity within their industry but again, the point of this is they're not going to be just the high-level nodding conversations. We're going to be drilling into the heart of what made that individual successful. How do you share that um, experience and how can you learn from it? Or how can we move the dial on a particularly big subject? Across all of the events, and this is the um, sneaky back door, as I call it, if we ran an event around diversity and inclusion, the people who would attend that event don't need to go to that event. If we ran, because we would all agree that diversity and inclusion is important. If we run an event about growing your business and raising investment, but at the heart of all of that is the really important subjects of diversity and inclusion. There were people at that session who might not have gone to the first version. So across the whole organ across the whole event, we have three things that are personally important to me. We've talked about diversity and inclusion piece because I just think that is the only way to be as, as an organization, as a business, and I can financially justify that and show any accountant why we should be investing in that. The second is around future talent. So one thing I've mentioned at the heart of what we do and I'm very passionate about is developing people. The future, of, I've got two um Older children now, 18 and 19, um, and you know, we've got to be developing their careers and their lives that they can operate in a world that we probably don't understand right now. We, there'll be jobs for my grandchildren that don't exist right now. On, and so that's important to me that we're constantly, as a, as a society, investing in the future. And the third, which again goes without saying, and these things are obvious, is around sustainability. If we're not looking after the planet, if we're not investing in sustainable um, technology, sustainable businesses, then what on earth are we doing? So there's some pretty scary subjects. So, uh, so in short, we've got two types of events. We've got main stage speaker events in a new format, and we've got uh, workshops and roundtables. The whole purpose of this 
is to build new relationships. Someone said to me, why would I come to Climb 23? Because you're going to meet people you wouldn't have met in your normal working life. It will add value to you and your business for the next period of time. And Climb 23 is the start of a journey. So um, it's almost by fluke that it's on the 23rd of a month. It's actually because it's 2023. So there will be Climb 24. So we see that Climb 23 is step one. We're not going to change the world overnight, but we can actually work on a journey together to be making a significant difference in the next X number of years. Mm. And the kinds of topics that are covered, um, you've got some really interesting areas of entrepreneurship that you're focusing in on in, in, across the conference. So some of the things are really exciting. So the unlock moment when I met with yourself, I thought that was a really cool subject. It was great um, that you can join us on that session. We have another one, which is um, around what we call quick start founders. So people have this idea and they just run, which often follows that quick start moment. So a lot of that is around um, uh, uh, around iteration and working it out as you go. But a lot of the people who are quick start founders often have ADHD or undiagnosed ADHD. And there is a dark side to that. So um, there is that self-doubt. There is that imposter syndrome. There is that um, time that you could just blow up. So we've got a session um, with a, uh, an author from the US coming in from Chicago called Justin Breen, and he's going to talk about um, the quick start founder. So the, another, another piece we have is uh, with a podcast, which is called Honey, I Blew Up the Business. So that day, when you do the exact reverse of the positive unlock moment, where you have this genius moment, you think, right, I'm going to do that. And it all goes terribly wrong. And so the ability to actually... Um, talk openly on a stage to be able to say, well, this is where my honey, I blew up the business moment happened. And um, we, won't, we haven't got time to go into that, but I have done one of those as well. So, um, and then we have other areas. So one of the other things that um, we wanted to look at was um, the personal traits of what makes a successful entrepreneur. What is it about what's in your head and in your brain and the way you operate that makes you successful. So we took a panel of elite athletes and we're interviewing them about what they believe are the personal attributes of being an elite athlete that have now made them successful entrepreneurs. But the sting in the tail is the last guy who comes on is a guy called Stevie Ward. Stevie was a um, professional rugby league player. He's a very successful professional rugby league player, but he's not going to talk about what people expect. He's going to talk about the dark side of this, the emotional pressure, the um, mental health issues of being an elite athlete, that feeling of immense pressure that's on yourself and that's coming from outside, the social media pressure, and how that is absolutely no different to the same mental pressure that goes on an entrepreneur when you wake up on a Monday morning shaking because you're not convinced that the thing you have done is good enough. And when you've got that constant self-doubt and the burnout that we all go through from time. So in all of our sessions, there's often a sting in the tail that will be not what people are expecting right at the end. And that's all going to be around mental health, future talent, diversity, etc. So we're actually going to uncover some of the, um, the things that people might not talk about on a normal conference or event. 
I really love that. And I and, and love how you bring that to life so, so well as well. Lots and lots of people are a bit nervous of going to networking events and you're going to have 1,500, 2,000 people in a very large room. If you're advising someone who's coming to Climb 23 as their first big networking event, what do they need to do to get the most out of the experience, do you think? It's interesting you say that because I'm that guy. So if we went to an event, um, I can talk for Britain, as you know, um, and as your listeners now know. The, um, but in a networking event, I'll be the person who stands in a corner on a mobile phone and pretend I'm texting somebody or whatever because I don't like to sell what we do. It's not my comfort zone, um, which surprises a lot of people. Um, and so when we've designed everything we've done in Investor Ladder and in what's now the annual summit, it's geared up for that individual. Because if, if that individual can work and, and network, then the people who are very good at it can also do it. So we've got an app which allows you to connect with other people within the, um, within the conference, within the summit. So if I can scroll through on every other delegate and think I want to meet, meet an investor, I can text that investor and say, look, I'm around. Have you got five minutes? It'd be great to talk to you. Obviously, they can decline that. So it's key that you explain very succinctly why you want to meet them and why you have picked them. Um, again, that might be obvious to most people, but it's not obvious to everybody. Um, joining the workshops and the roundtables. If you're a shy person, you're going to be shoved in a room with 19 other people. So, And they're going to have shared interest. Yet we've very carefully orchestrated where these are. So the, the roundtable sessions are in... Um, meeting rooms right above the coffee shop and bar. So guess what? We're assuming that these 20 people will come out. They won't go straight to a main stage, unless it's you speaking, Gary, obviously, and then they will be um, straight downstairs and having another cup of coffee. Uh, and the conversations will come on. We're not going to solve things in the round tables in 45 minutes. The idea is that they're the conversation starters. So that really is why we built the round table session. Again, we said we're going to do some forced networking, no, we'll go. Going to say you're going to listen to a session with an ex-CEO um, who grew a business to a $2 billion valuation. You've got 20 people who are scaling up companies in a room, so the networking starts. So, um, And then finally, um, we do have a number of social activities happening in the evening. So we've got live music, DJs, drink receptions around specific subjects. Um, and on the second day, the 24th, we have a drinks reception, which is focused around uh, diversity and female founders. So there'll always be something for somebody. And I think if you're on the other side of an equation and you are that prolific networker and you're great, go and find the person who isn't. Go and have a chat with the person who stood there on their mobile phone. Just make a little bit of an effort. You never know. That could be someone who exited a business at £2 billion who actually really wants to meet, but is a bit more introverted than you are. So whichever side, just make a little bit of an effort and the magic will happen. Fantastic. I really like uh, all of those examples. And the one that came to mind for me when you were talking is that idea that when you're in the room and you're feeling a bit nervous of going up and talking to other people, you imagine they're all really confident, but actually most likely more than half of the people in the room are going to feel exactly like you. And when you go up to that person and say, hey, you know, this is me, tell me a little bit about you, they'll go, oh, thank goodness, you, somebody else wanted to come and talk to me because I was feeling a bit nervous in this situation as well. So that, that's, that's really good to hear. So Gordon, if people want to connect in with you, how can they find you on LinkedIn or elsewhere and, and, and connect and start a conversation? 
Yes, yeah, so um, Investor Ladder is um, investorladder.com. Um, Climb23 is www.climb23.com. And my LinkedIn profile is Gordon Bateman and the company is CRSI. So that's probably the easiest way to connect. Fantastic. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. For investor and entrepreneur Gordon Bateman, it was the realization that people are what makes high growth businesses succeed or fail that sparked his journey into connecting innovators, entrepreneurs, and investors to change the world. Connect with Gordon on LinkedIn and visit climb23.com to get your ticket. There's still a handful left for the most exciting innovation and entrepreneurship conference of the year, happening on 23rd and 24th of May at Leeds Dock. And if you're there on the 24th, then please join me for the Unlock Moment Arena style. Gordon, it's been really fun. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for joining me today on the Unlock Moment. Thank you very much. I've very much enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure to do this. So thank you for the opportunity. This has been the Unlock Moment, a podcast with me, Dr. Gary Crotez. Thank you for listening in. You can find out more about how to figure out what you want and how to get it in my book, The Idea Mindset. Find me on Instagram at Dr. Gary Crotez and subscribe to this podcast to get notified about future episodes. Most listeners to this podcast on Apple and Spotify haven't yet hit the follow button. If there's one thing you can do right now to help me out, then please click the follow button. The more followers I have, the better guests I can attract for you to learn from. Thanks again for listening and join me again soon here on The Unlock Moment.